Raleigh? Uh, James? <laughs> here comes the sun, my friend. It's here. So glad uh, that to be back on the airwaves with Raleigh Burley, editor-in-chief, who has been on a uh, retreat <laughs> in Latin America for the last five weeks. Um, he returned this week and helped put out the paper. Can't say how grateful I am. And by the way, you are tuned into Everything Under the Sun, the Sopria Sun's weekly radio program right here on KDNK. The best radio station this side of the Mississippi. Wouldn't you agree, Gus? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm also here with my co-host, uh, Gus Richardson. Uh, Gus, thank you so much for helping me out on the radio these days. You know I love to do it. I do, I do. And you're doing a great job. Um, so... And I'm your host, James Steinler. Um, today we're going to talk, we're going to interview, it's a uh, high stakes interview with Golly Burley about his his adventures in uh, Argentina and Chile. Um, Argentina, of course, just uh, an, a new president is stepping in. It sounds like his first day of work is Monday. Right. <laughs> Alive and off the cuff. Everything oh. under the sun. I just want to lead by saying... Um, James, I'm really grateful for all the work you did while I was away. Um, the papers really looked great. I was spying from down <laughs> south and really impressed with the work that was being turned out by the Soper Sun, including a new website. That's right. Which launched about a week or two ago. Uh, yep, about a week ago. And we're ironing out those kinks, making it look extra polished. Um, it's fun to play around with. And I really appreciate you saying that, Raleigh, and sharing that with our listeners. Um, and it can do it without people like Gus Richardson and the rest of the people who make the uh, who fill the pages each week of the Sopra Sun and who get on the air and um, who and the community and businesses who you know fill our pages as well with ads and um, and the community stories uh, that they allow us to tell. So thank you to uh, Carbondale, the Roaring Fork Valley, and beyond for sharing with the Sopra Sun and keeping it alive. Yeah, and I hear Gus has been your faithful co-host. He's been my faithful co-host. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's an ace. It's I couldn't do without him. Um, and adds a lot of, uh, I think, uh, great great questions and, um, and a little bit of levity to the show sometimes. And I'm not that funny, so. <laughs> not at all. Oh, that's okay. You're kind of funny, James. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gus. Um, well, let's, uh, so yes, as we always said, we did, did want to just recap first uh, about our new website. If you go to soprasun.com, you will see um, that there are certainly some changes. Um, and it, also, El Sol Del Valle has a new website, and you go to uh, El Sol Del Valle. Dot org. Dot org. Oh. Um, and that is all in Spanish. All the navigation is in Spanish. We're still working out some kinks, but the intention is to have it be compl- have equal access for Spanish and uh, English readers. That's uh, been a really exciting shift because if anyone was familiar with our older website, we just had a tab called Espanol. It wasn't even Espanol. It was Espanol because we didn't have the NEA there. <laughs> but right. um, we had... Uh, just pages on pages of all kinds of content, translated stories, original columns, uh, articles by partners, and now we can really start to sort that stuff. Um, and yeah, add audio, including other features, a calendar, a dedicated calendar. There's 
yeah, a lot of exciting things that could be done with it. And um, since you mentioned the partners, I want to definitely give a shout out to the partners who helped make this happen and will help uh, populate content on the El Sol del Valle page uh, serving Spanish readers. Aspen Public Radio, Post Independent, La Tricolor, Tricolor, um, KD&K, Aspen Journalism, Aspen Daily News, and um, I hope I'm not leaving anyone else out there. Aspen Times? Aspen Times as well. Post Independent. We got the Post Independent. Good. Um, So (laughs) much love to all of our partners um, and uh, also to our donors uh, who have, uh, of course, made this possible because we're a nonprofit, community-owned newspaper Mm -hmm. and uh, who's, you know, striving to go above and beyond, but we couldn't do it without the community support. So... Thank you to everyone. Thank you to our partners. And uh, check out the new website. Yeah. It's, it's fun. And uh, send us suggestions if you have new ideas, if there's something you'd like to see included, or if you think that we could uh, improve it aesthetically, um, just drop us a line. News at Katie and K. Sorry, news at Soprasun.com. <laughs> news at Soprasun.com. I uh, also want to mention again and just uh, remind people that we really appreciate uh, feedback. I um, mean, you could also submit letters to the editor to news at Soprasun.com. There's also a feature, though, on our letters page on our website where you could submit a letter there, one of the new exciting features. Um, Okay, uh, so let's uh, get into a little bit about your journey, Raleigh. Um, you took off uh, uh, end of no, oh sorry, no, end of October, beginning of November, and returned uh, just at the beginning of December. Um, th- where did your journey begin? Yeah, so um, I had the opportunity to be a youth exchange student through the Rotary Club here in Carbondale, and. Um, Usually the Rotary Club has exchange students living with three different families. The town I was placed in in Chile, uh, La Ligua, uh, didn't really have capacity for that, so I ended up with the same family the whole time, and luckily we have a really great relationship. And I've been back several times to visit them, so it had been four years and a pandemic since I'd last seen them, and uh, particularly my host father, has been in and out of the hospital with some serious issues, oh, um, clots in his lungs. And uh, so it was good to see them. That was kind of a primary stop in the journey. And from there, uh, I crossed the border into Argentina and traveled further south, um, kind of following a line of investigation, um, visiting some friends along the way and uh, getting to know a few new places I hadn't been before including cities Sapala and Neuquén. We have a song to play at the end of the show that's all about Neuquén, and it's probably Mm -hmm. my favorite song that I picked up along the journey. Fantastic. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Are we still in Chile? So now we're in Argentina. We're now in Argentina. Just a quick recap. (laughs) We don't have a lot of time. Um, It's been about one or two nights, one full day, in a place called El Bolson, which is really near and dear to my heart. Very interesting a uh, city south of Bariloche in Patagonia, a uh, beautiful place with a lot of artistic flair. Um, and then I kept going south because there's a Mapuche family that I've uh, gotten to know over the years, and I was very interested in reconnecting with them. And um, you explain to us uh, what yeah. uh, Mapuche is. What's the meaning of Mapuche? Yes, please. <laughs> uh, in the Mapuche language, it means uh, people of the earth, and it's an indigenous peoples. Um, 
in that southern part of South America. And they have a really interesting history where they were clever against the Spanish, um, really skillful uh, in keeping the Spanish back, but also clever in the sense of not letting on that they had gold in the territory and um, only trading in silver. Uh, they had been at war with the Incans not long before the Spanish arrived, so wow. they were a little bit primed to defend their territories. And the Spanish gave up after a while. And so for the next 300 years, uh, you can see in old maps, there's a region called Walmapu, and that was uh, a region belonging to many different indigenous groups, um, but sharing a common language, which is Mapuzungun, which literally means words of the earth. Wow. Um, and so it's a very strong culture, and the language survives to this day. It was in the late 1800s that there was a concerted effort on both the Chilean side and the Argentine side of the Andes to expand those countries, and that's when um, the armies were equipped with Remington rifles, thanks to the United Kingdom, and they really... Um, devastated the Mapuche populations, mm. especially on the Argentine side. Um, a lot of the culture survived on the Chilean side of the Andes, on the west, um, and now there's been uh, a big movement towards recovering those ceremonies, the language, the customs, um, and some of that moving over the border from Chile back into Argentina. Um, so I spent about um, close to two weeks with a family um, beginning on a recovered territory. Um, it was in the 1930s that it, there were Mapuche families displaced from, mm. from this region. Um, and then a uh, police um, like base, essentially, was set up instead. Um, There's a station, and then they started planting a lot of these mono crop white pine trees which have really devastated the the indigenous forest there wow um and then in the 1990s recognizing that this um like police commission commissary um was abandoned a family led by uh, a woman named moira Millan decided to take back the territory mm -hmm. and they've successfully held it for nearly 25 years now and it's on the bank of a river, which has um, kind of been cited for a major dam project and under threat of being flooded, which might be why the families really succeeded in planting themselves there. Mm -hmm. And they've built homes, and they've created a garden, and they have their animals. And, uh, and so I spent about nine days there, um, including the period when Javier Millet was elected, um, mm -hmm. I want to ask more about that, and I'm sorry to interrupt. Mm -hmm. I, uh, Gus, I know, has a question. Yeah, jump in, Gus. Um, do we know how many Mapuche are left? Yeah, so I was looking at that today, um, and there's, like, very many in the Chilean side. Uh, I think it's, like, you know, at least 40% of the Chilean population identifies with being Mapuche in their descent mm. um, and their ancestry. Great. And then there was something like 230,000 on the Argentine side that identify as Mapuche. That's really good. Mm -hmm. Being um, people of the earth, is there kind of a tradition or and has uh, have the Mapuche, is there a kind of general respect for the earth and a focus on environmentalism or anything like that? 
Yeah, so really central to the Mapuche way of being is their relationship to the forest, to the rivers, and this recognition that there are uh, spirits that inhabit a place. There are guardians of a forest. Um, and these might be benevolent or malevolent toward humans, but they're all considered good because they're a sign of health that a, a place has the spirits um, are being fed through ceremony. It's healthy, uh, and those exist there. And so... Uh, the Mapuche language I've heard described as like a technology to communicate with these spirits and with the earth itself. Uh, so it's really central, the tradition of, of prayer and ceremony. Um, and it was really interesting on this trip, uh, a man called Alonco, which is essentially sort of like a chief, but there are uh, something called a Puyu, which is a spirit. And a spirit is sort of like an archetype, and it's connected to many people of the past. But if James was a lonco, or he might be a werken, yeah. or there's also a chafe or machi, it's like you're going to complete a role in the community huh. that's really specific, and it's tied to ancestors who have completed that role in the past, and it's almost like you're all one person. Wow. Um, and it's not something people choose necessarily. It's something that you're made aware of through your dreams or a machi is like a, a spiritual authority who might tell you like, oh, you were born to be a werken who's a spokesperson for your group who will mm -hmm. go to the meetings and represent the interests of the group. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lonko sort of similarly listens to everybody and then like digests or decants that into where the group is going to move. And then Chafe which is Moira Mian, uh, who I became familiar with first, and now I've gotten to know more of her family, um, might be the most difficult one. You're a defender of your land. And so mm. it's hard. She's a mother, but she's also a chafe. So she's literally putting her body on the line to defend the wow. territory. Um, Bori listeners, you are tuned into Everything Under the Sun. Uh, it is currently 4.15, and... Uh, you, we are speaking with Raleigh Burley, um, editor-in-chief of The Soper Sun, about his recent uh, journey in Chile and Argentina. I, we have a song that we want to play towards the end of the show, so I'm going to kind of move us along here. Sure, sure. I do want to ask a little bit. You had mentioned this dam that's been proposed um, that would affect uh, these Mapuche lands. Mm -hmm. um, has there been much reporting on that? Yeah, so it's interesting... On this trip, I had been familiar with this group. Uh, they called it the LOF, which is a community, um, Pian Mawisa, uh, which means kind of like volcanic spirit in the hills. <laughs> mm. And um, that's the threat they're facing, which has been dormant for a long time. And I had the opportunity on this trip to join um, what's called a traun, and it's basically like an assembly, a bunch of different groups coming together to talk about what's up. And so this was in the context of the new president being elected um, and concerns that people are already living um, and this sense that those are about to get worse. They're about mm -hmm. to be heightened um, because Argentina is sort of in an economic freefall with 140% inflation right now. Um, and, you know, it didn't really matter who won the election as far as the Mapuche were concerned because both candidates were talking about the material mineral wealth within the Patagonia region as this untapped solution to get Argentina out of its economic mess to pay off its hmm. uh, world economic forum debt 
um, its loans with the uh, International Monetary Fund. And the sense with Millet is just that given his personality, um, it might be a bit more on the oppressive side versus the um, kind of nefarious, shady, like under under workings mm-hmm. side. It might just be a lot more like directly brutal. Um, hmm. But a big piece that it's not just like damn the river um, for the energy really behind that is like damn the river for the energy to extract the minerals from the hills. Okay, right. So there's mm-hmm. a, there's a, uh, an agenda, a financial agenda there ultimately it sounds like. Um, and this uh, remind me of the president's name who was recently elected or Javier Millet Javier Millet and uh, that reached uh, international headlines and uh, was kind of seemed to take a lot of the country of Argentina by surprise uh, as well as you know the larger world Um, and uh, yeah so how interesting for you to be down there uh, during that um, that that time when he was um, um, elected it was interesting to arrive before he was elected, and there was debates on TV, and right. there was a lot of conversation. Um, and then it was up in the air, what's going to happen? It was a lot like more recent elections in the United States. Was there uh, talk about uh, tampering with the elections or anything like that, or unfair elections? You know, actually early on, because there were several rounds, and there's a lot of interesting stuff with the way Argentina does elections. Like, it's an obligatory vote. And you have to go to the city where your license is registered to go vote in person. So that gets complicated for people who live far away. You really only get fined if you don't vote. And then I know people who haven't voted and they haven't really even ever received a bill. Okay. But just the idea of obligatory voting is interesting. Yeah. Um, You know, I really only heard it in Chile, but it was somebody saying like in one of the earlier rounds that there were votes in the north for Javier Millet that weren't counted, but I don't know hmm. how substantiated that was or not. Hmm. Um, then it went into a runoff, and yeah, he he was declared the winner wow. by a pretty big margin, actually. Did you go to any other kind of setting uh, where other journalists were around, other than uh, remind me of the uh, the meeting, t- the term for the meeting? So there was this Traun right. and uh, several journalists there, as well as. Um, quite a few community radio stations the tradition of community radio strong in latin america or argentina specifically um no but that was probably really the only you had mentioned another journalist who uh uh, before we had come into the station uh, right what uh do you recall their name yeah, so his name is Denali, D-E-N-A-L-I, DeGraff, D-E-G-R-A-F. And if you just search him in Google, Denali DeGraff, uh, he has a lot of great articles on the recent conflicts and a really sensitive tone. Uh, he's been 20 years living in Argentina, in this region, uh, but he was born in New York, I believe, so... Um, we haven't really talked about like the pine trees or some of the other communities and the topics that are coming up or the repressions. Um, but he's written a few articles that are on his website um, okay. on that topic. Also, some pretty stellar photography revealing what's happening. Okay. 
Um, we only have about two minutes before we play this uh, song that you suggested that we'll close out with today. Uh, so uh, give us some closing, closing thoughts. Um, you know, Chile is about to vote on a new constitution on December 12th. Um, and it's sort of interesting how it came about. There were huge protests in 2019 to change the constitution, which was drafted by uh, a dictatorship. Pinochet's government, um, Chicago economists wrote it to be a very neoliberal um, model and really, I guess, pri- uh, like prioritizing private interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were unsatisfied with that now, like, you know, several decades later, and they protested to this degree uh, where there was a vote to see does Chile want a new constitution? People voted yes. Um, And then there was a year-long process with all these different stakeholders, intellectuals, business people, um, putting together a proposal which would have been the most progressive democracy on earth in history. Uh, But it failed. It was voted down. And now sort of the whiplash is like, okay, like the far right side of things got the opportunity to write their constitution, which is even a few steps beyond the dictator's constitution. Institution, right, um, and that's what's going to be voted on December twelfth. So, whatever your political leanings, um, should that pass, and in conjunction with Millet's election, it's like watching that whole region of Chile and Argentina and Brazil, given the recent governance of Bolsonaro, take a very far right turn, mm. and what that means for the world. Well, thank you, Arali, for being our. Uh, um Latin America or South America correspondent for the last few weeks and thank you for filling us in on your trip. Thank you Gus for sitting in with me. Uh, I have a lot more questions I want to ask you. Unfortunately it will be off the air but perhaps there will be more of an update to come. Uh, for now enjoy. Uh, okay yeah this is Hermanos Berbel with uh, Neuquén Quimé. Great. Thank you Ellie Burley. Thank you James.
nacido en el Neuquén, místico edén de mi patria, donde dos ríos soberbios en sus términos enlazan, el Neuquén, torre de embate de enfurecida mesnada, y el Limay, lírico efugio del alma de la montaña.